And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey. Hey, Dave. It's Joe Plummer. Hello, Joe. Hey. How you doing, man? Doing okay. Uh, sorry, I've called you so many times. I uh, just would like to get a tour story from you for my podcast. A tour story? Yeah. You mentioned you were interested probably a few months ago. No? You know, you know I'm not allowed. <sighs> Are you pissed? I'm trying not to. Look, you sick bitch. I will bury you. Um. um well, maybe I'll call you tomorrow. For the past 20 years, Dave Hernandez has toured and played guitar with The Shins, The Intelligence, and Scared of Chaka. In this episode, we get a jam-packed A to Z chronology of Dave's touring life thus far. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour Stories. 
the first time I got on the road was in 89. And that was after doing, I booked a show for Operation Ivy at uh, my high school in Albuquerque. It was my, uh, my second junior year. I, I, I had a long time in high school. And I just kind of did the, you know, that whole maximum rock and roll networking thing. And I noticed that a lot of bands, especially in the Bay Area or whatever, were doing this thing where, you know, you could just write letters and place phone calls. Anyway, I booked them a show and they came to, you know, my mom's house. <laughs> my mom made them grilled cheese sandwiches. And it was just uh, my first real peek into that whole reality that you could just do this thing. And it was kind of Island of Misfits, a little, you know, Peter Panish, but it was it was also work and it was also kind of a lot of drama. You know, I was it was something intriguing about like just little issues that they had to deal with, you know, like like a tire was low on air or they needed to get extra money for gas, but they couldn't afford it because they had to get burritos. And something about that it sounded vaguely intriguing to a teenager who was bored with his hometown so later that year me and some friends we didn't even have songs we just kind of learned some covers minor threat rudimentary peni and we uh got in a, one of our mom's minivans and made it up to durango colorado my first out-of-town show ever <laughs> The drive to Durango was probably about six hours, but to us, it felt like just forever. It was just like this amazing adventure. All the bad stuff happened. All the good stuff happened. You know, no one showed up. We had a promoter try to rip us off. We had an early um, education, but we had a great time afterwards. We met a lot of kids. But the first time I really dug in to tour life was uh, my old punk band, Scared of Chaka. And that was a band in Albuquerque. Started in the mid-90s. First time we made it out of town was opening up for a band called The Smoking Popes. We went down to El Paso and played the show. It was fine. And then we're driving out of the parking lot and our transmission blows. And we have like a whole three more weeks booked. And we kind of panicked. You know, we, we decided let's just try to get another van with all the money and now we're broke but we'll have a van we had to drive back to albuquerque doing maybe 30 miles an hour before you know and then we have to stop every hour and adjust something and get back on once we were in albuquerque we just found the first van that was available it was this 1980 dodge had love child or love machine painted on the side really poorly Nothing Nothing was sealed. All the paint was, you know, chipping off. It was a, a hippie van. It was really bad. And there was no, uh, there was driver's seat, passenger seat, period. It was just a, a husk. And we got in that and we, you know, we managed to make a good week or two out of it. Sitting on amps, sitting underneath amps, you know, it was, it was, it was great. We're playing a show in Austin and we have to make a drive from Austin back home. It's a, like... 13 hours we were driving not on a major interstate it's one of those just straight as a line forever in the middle of summer and there's nothing around and it's a two lane there's one lane going this way that's us another lane coming that way the only other traffic 
every hour we see a we see a tractor there's nothing going on and and so there's no reason for me to engage the brakes for like two or three hours we're going about 70 miles an hour and we're coming up behind a tractor that's going our same direction but it's in front of us and it's pretty slow so i move to uh, pass it and um there's another tractor in front of it the tractor in front of us decides to also pass that one so now both lanes are blocked with tractors that are going about 20 miles an hour so i step on the brakes and i hear a snap and the pedal just like Foop. and there's no control <laughs> we're going 70 and um I remember screaming, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and everyone's asleep, but they all sit up. No one can see what's going on because there's, <laughs> they're not on seat. It's just me and Damien who's in the passenger seat. And I somehow do like a fast and furious, like screech, 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 screech. <laughs> and all the amps fall and all the drums fall. Uh, the moral of the story is we never drove in a Dodge again. We decided that Dodge was at fault. And we were 40 Conaline people from, from that point on. So we had a 40 Conaline. We called the Chicano line. This is before we had Buster. So we we're in the Chicano line. We had a, a tour where we had three BMX bikes. We liked to ride bikes between shows or whatever. And we, we had like a, like a bike rack that was mounted front hood, you know, and then three uh, BMXs locked on. And uh, we were playing a show in Arcata, California. We had to make it to Portland, Oregon that next day for like a, some kind of matinee show. So we had to leave Arcata pretty early. We're getting on the road at like 5.30 in the morning from Arcata. I'm in our loft with, with a friend. There's someone in like the, the bucket seat in the back. And then we have our drummer in the passenger seat and our roadies driving. We have another band following us. They're from Hawaii. They've never been to the mainland. So they're videotaping everything. Everything is amazing. They're documenting every, every last thing. And we're getting on the road, and, and I remember drifting back to sleep, and I'm looking out the window, and it's very foggy. It's just one of those, like, Humboldt County. It's beautiful, but it's there's very little visibility and i remember just kind of drifting off listening to the banter in the front seat and i hear oh wow look at that bear oh my god and then just the brakes and then just like a pow what had happened is a, a bear was peeking out into the highway saw us coming and i think it was on a curve and it must have panicked thinking we were going towards it so it just bolted in the direction of his standing which was directly in our path our roadie bless his heart he knew not to crank the wheel and held on tight slammed the brakes and thankfully we found out later that those bmx bikes took the brunt of the impact and those guys behind us filmed the whole thing but we we hit the pair we parked we got out we checked that everything was relatively okay Someone quickly deduced that it was not a full-grown bear and that maybe the mom was nearby, so we got in the vehicle. And our roadie was was very uh, upset, and he made us pull over in the next exit and announce to anyone that could hear that we had hit a bear. And 
the bikes were trashed, but the one that was like closest inside, it was brand new and had just been worked on and he didn't really want to throw it away. So the only way to keep it on there was to keep it secured by the front two bikes. So we completed the tour pulling up with like trashed bikes with fur (laughs) and some dried blood on them, which kind of helped our cred for some hardcore shows, but didn't really do much else. Scared of Chaka had had a lot of time on the road. We there was something about Albuquerque where you you liked your hometown, but there was something about you, you never wanted to be home. But we we made a a thing of it. We were we were home maybe two months out of the year. We played Tucson a lot, and one time a Tucson kid was like, "You guys have got to play Nogales. It's just you know an hour south." All of us go there for punk shows, and they're really fun because it's it's a little bit more, a little more loose. Get 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 away with a little bit more, and the shows are later and stuff. And the next tour, we decided to look someone up and uh, found a promoter who had done a lot of work with some American bands. So this guy, you know, you had to be pretty well connected in this in this town to do a lot of the stuff he did and to engage in the nightlife and make money doing that. So he had a lot of friends. <laughs> we played the show at this uh, thing was called El Coco, the coconut. And, and I remember showing up, it was like eight o'clock, nine o'clock and no one was there. And I was like, well, it's cool. We're here and this is, we're going to have a nice time. But no, I mean, we're in, we're in Mexico. This is weird. No one's going to show up. We went out for dinner. We had some drinks and then we came back just to see what's going on. And the place was just, there's a line around the block, but it was 11. And no one had started yet. It, it was a, it was an over, one of those over the top shows where people are just bouncing off the walls, and it was it was crazy. It was really 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 fun. Had like ten encores. They wouldn't let us stop, and bought a lot of merch. And then we went out, and it was like three a.m. now, and we're just you know visiting all the stores and <laughs> you know drinking lots of coffee and 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 stuff. <laughs> And we're we're just having a lot of fun. It's it's, we're kids, but we're up very, very, very late. And we finally, you know, we have yet to call it. We're we're starting to just need to find a place to sleep. And so the promoter brings us to his home and puts us up in his garage, lays out some sleeping bags. We're all asleep except me and our drummer. The promoter comes in and he goes, "Hey, do you guys like menudo, like that that traditional Mexican soup?" And we're like, uh, sure. He's like, there's this great place. It's just up the street. We got to go now. So we're like, I, I, I guess. At this point, it's the, the sun's up. We've not slept. And, and to be honest, we've not slept for a couple of days. Uh, it's just me and this tour. So me and our drummer, we follow him to uh, another. It's a different car of his. It's a it's Volkswagen bug. And he um, gets us in there. And then he uh, goes back to the house, brings what looks like a full hefty bag of something, puts it in the front boot of the, the Volkswagen, you know, and then we start 
we started driving and uh he's we're trying to ask him questions but he's blasting devo he loved devo and it's full blast devo 6 a.m we don't know what's going on and now the sun's just in our in our eyes and now we're out of the city and we're driving and driving and now we're just going through hills like half an hour and, and it's really confusing and then we see this one little structure a one building that's far far off and we get to it there's no one around there's like five or six ford f-150s around and we get out he's like this is the place and we walk in and the door opens everyone looks at us it's you know that's stereotypical everyone stops he sits us at, at the table and orders and then he goes back to the car gets that thing and walks through the place to a back door and we're there alone <laughs> and right when we're about to dig in he comes out with a, a, a different bag and then he, <laughs> he says he says we gotta go and then we uh, <laughs> stand up and get back in the car and go back to his garage but he, um, you know, he was quite connected and had really good shows down there. I asked, yeah, I asked a mutual acquaintance of ours, maybe, well, like five or six years ago, if he, how that guy's doing that I hadn't seen in, in like, you know, a dozen or more years. Yeah. And he said, well, he's alive. <laughs> Wild times. Scared of Shaka gets invited to go to Japan. So we're in Japan. I don't know if it's a situation where these these wonderful friends you make are used to just staying up till dawn, or if you're in town, so they're using this as an occasion. I've never been able to figure that out, but everyone's on a totally specific clock. And um, after every show, you have to go to a celebratory dinner where you have sake, you meet the promoter of that town, you meet the promoter's friends, and, you know, it's the whole thing. The This guy did silk screening. This guy did the, you know, and, and everyone gets a good half-hour audience, and you have to have drinks with everyone, and it's, it's nice. Um, we're in Osaka, and it's like the middle of the tour, and, and it's been going on every night. We, we're, we're doing this thing, and I, and I have a... I have a habit of wandering off mid-tour. I'm, I'm, I'm sure James can attest to this. I've, I've done this a lot. I'm kind of a habitual just wanderer. Whenever I'm off the clock, i like, oh, wow, I'm, I've never been in Calgary. So I'm just going to walk around and maybe take a picture or whatever, you know. Just, so I, uh, I did that. It's very late. I've, I've, had a, I've had a bit to drink, but... I walk out and it's the nightclub district, but it's after hours. There's not a lot of people on the street and I'm just kind of looking around and I kind of sit on the curb and I'm, I'm looking around, I'm, I'm taking some pictures and I see uh, three people come up. It's uh, one man, he's really, really sharply dressed and he's flanked with a, a couple, of, couple of young women and they're, they, they seem to have been enjoying themselves as well. They're, they're laughing and giggling and walking around and they see me he makes a beeline to me and he like comes up and he says something and he's laughing and i I don't understand 
Japanese, so I don't respond. And then he crouches down and he has a hand on his on his knee. I see he's missing a, a pinky and he's dressed so sharp. And he's and he looks at me, he's he's this close to my to my nose, and he says the same thing slower. And then I get a, a hand on my shoulder. I turn around and it's it's our roadie, Mike Bobroff. And he's um he's had time in the military and he's been in Japan before and he kind of knows some phrases. He kind of knows how to carry himself. And he says something and he casually lights up a cigarette and the other guy stands up, looks at him and they have a couple of interactions. Now they're both laughing. The guy walks away. Mike picks me up on my collar and violently jerks me back and says, don't ever get off of the boat and pushes me, <laughs> pushes me back in the bar. Yeah. He uh, said I was I was a pretty boy, and he was wondering if I needed a place to stay that night. So I, I, I took it as a compliment. Dillinger 4, they're in Minneapolis, pretty established band, and we were label mates, but we didn't we didn't look as cool as the other bands on the label. So our two bands kind of bonded over that. We also had what we thought were more brainy lyrics. We were just whatever. We just kind of felt like like nerdy outcasts. But we also fell in love with these guys, much like Murder City Devils, where we were just kind of physically, harmlessly reckless with each other and would just have a lot of fun, roughhousing pranks. And uh, Dillinger 4 were were the worst. One time they were talking about how they were going to dose someone with X-lax and, and then the, the topic never got raised again until we were at Denny's. And then I realized, Oh, it's me. And they had dosed me with X-lax and they, they made sure I was inside the booth and they blocked the leaving the booths. And these, these are like men, man sized men, you know, like scared of chocolate where, where, average we're like you know maybe pushing five nine five ten these are men that look like you know if you draw a cartoon of the man so i can't push them out of the way especially when they're locking eyes with each other waiting for me to give up <laughs> the sign that i the xx has been ingested via my bottomless coffee mug i did my best to just ignore the stabbing pains in my stomach and I gave it about half an hour and it was a real close call and then they I think they shrugged and said oh, I guess we got the wrong cup and they finally got up drove away and then I, I got to run to the loo uh one time we were doing a string of shows with them and we were doing like a little convoy for most of the tour and we were one of us a fault was on the other. And then one day it was a very long drive and we just kind of lost each other, but it was fine. We both knew where we were going to go. We were like about three hours away from St. Louis and we came, came across one of those travel centers and we went in, we we're just kind of like killing time and got some fries and looked at all the fireworks. There's a lot of fireworks. And then we came back out and I remember like like someone mentioned there's a lot of racists here. There's a lot of, hey, Dave, you better be careful. There's a lot, and it's probably a Dillinger 4, you got to be careful. There's a lot of like, you know, 
guys, they don't know you. They, they don't like your kind here. So we're walking back to the van. And Ron, our drummer, he's like, is our van smoking? And I was like, yeah, what? He's like, oh, looks like a van smoking. We went up closer to the van and and he opened up the driver's side and just smoke billowed out billowed and it was just like and then he opened the other door and it was just our van was the inside was full of smoke we had and and i'm like they got us they they found me they're they're gonna kill me me they can they're gonna blow up our van first and then i hear ron say son of a bitch and he looks we look at the windshield and in our toothpaste that they've dug out of our suitcases they've written d4 (laughs) and then we open the other door and there's pizza shoved in every like because they knew that there was one window that you could kind of pry open you know and they just like shove pizza open it up and then i think they bought a bunch of smoke bombs they told us later that they were parked far enough away to just watch us come to the van and like experience it we didn't know that then but we (laughs) cleaned out the van filled up the tank and then we went back in and we spent every last cent on roman candles and bottle rockets and we got to the show and we said hey you got yeah you guys got us good and a good game and we divvied up all of the fireworks evenly between the three of us and we kind of strategically had them in our sleeves of our jackets and we stood like stage left, stage right, drum riser. <laughs> right, right when the first song started, we all just like lit everything and just, it was like apocalypse now. And there's footage of it. It's like a 300 capacity place and they loved it. They acted like they were in Kiss and they just completed the song and kids were freaked out. The crowd was, was very, very freaked out. I, I did most of my Scared of Chuck touring for, you know, most of my life through the 90s. Um, and it was just van touring, and you get used to that that rhythm. You get used to that routine. I've spoken with Cody Willis about this. Like, you, you get off a tour, and you still have the habit of putting your shoe, your, your wallet in your shoes and then, and then tuck your shoes. You know, even though you're in your own home, you just have these things you have to unlearn or keep in your head for whatever reason. But... So Shin Stuff began in a van, and then we experienced it, it got more tour bussy to the point where after a few years of that, my, my tour bus mind, it sort of made me forget my tour van mind. Fast forward to, I was in the intelligence for like, for like 10 years, and this was after some Shin's tour bus behavior and that first intelligence tour in the van i'm literally like they're opening the side door and there's my laptop (laughs) with my wallet under my cell phone with the keys like i just had (laughs) like right there the first thing you see like not under a coat or anything and it took me you know i have to confess it took me a minute to just really oh yeah oh yeah we're in a van you have to do this thing and oh wait i remember how to do this nothing really bad really happened with intelligence well 
that's not entirely true. We we had an incident in Rome. We had all of our gear stolen in Rome. We played Rome. Great show. It was wonderful. And we were leaving. But on our way out of Rome, we decided, well, you know what? Let's let's look at the Coliseum. So just loaded van. <laughs> Middle, middle of the day, side of Coliseum. And, you know, we kind of were like, well, nothing bad can happen because there's a bunch of people and there's even cops. It's fine. So we parked everything that we had, everything in this rental, like, like, a, like a European tour sprinter rental. And we did the long, like, hour walk tour around the Coliseum. Had took pictures. I've looked back and, like, the timestamp of the picture like i wonder what's happening to my stuff right when i'm having like a goofy hey next to, you know next to the coliseum and i'm picturing they're doing this in front of families they're you know they had to break a window anyway we did the tour of the coliseum we're walking back to the van and we you know i think we immediately could tell you know one of the windows was off to the side it was just and i think they must have either gotten busted or sauce coming because they they weren't fully finished. They got a, a couple guitars, but they got a bunch of just like bags with passports and my laptop. And I had a bona fide I had a very I was very upset. And I remember because like earlier that day on our way to the Coliseum, I was looking at, you know, before you habitually save everything to the cloud, you have like videos from home. And I was looking at my kid dancing around is missing, missing the family. And in my mind, like they've stolen all of my memories and, you know, and it's, it was just like this really invasive spooky thing. And it's Rome, which I love, but it's a whole other, there's real shit that they have to do. The last thing they want to busy themselves with is some, you know, American band that might have generated them a little bit of coin, but just should leave, you know, well, so they can deal with the real shit. So they, the cops really were like, okay, well, we'll log it and we'll let you know what we can, what we find. Our promoters were busy blaming all of the immigrants. It was just an ugly situation. It didn't, nothing was resolved, but we, you know, we, we rallied together. We, someone was in charge of getting toothbrushes. Someone else was in charge of, like, you know, I had to replace my passport. And then we just got back on the road. I, we had to wear our show clothes that were very sweaty. We're also our pajamas that were also our walk around Rome clothes because we get to do laundry that night when we get to our place. So we had to wear that for, for about three days. Every time we stopped by every gas station, we're like, let's run in and see if there's T-shirts. And then we got to the point where we're like, eh. That t-shirt's a little corny. I don't want to wear that. <laughs> so we just ended up wearing these disgusting relics of our uh, Roman mistake. Thanks to Dave for the stories, and thanks to you for listening. If you like tour stories, please subscribe. And please check out our companion podcast, The Check-In, all at ruinousmedia.com slash tour stories. Tour. Stories, tour stars, tar stars.